0: Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here: life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guests radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around, I think you're gonna be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks everybody. Let's jump in. We see the the intensity with the whole transgender movement. I've really wanted to guess that could speak to that experientially for us as a congregation, come and share their heart with us, and we're blessed to have that person here today, uh, Chloe Cole, and she's uh, 18, and we're going to be introducing her in a little bit, but just to... Uh, touch on what's going on to rip some things from the headlines. And by the way, uh, Joe Latipo, the Surgeon General from the state of Florida is going to be with us only on that Saturday. So six o'clock Saturday, November 5th, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a good time with the Surgeon General and just his perspective through all of the COVID stuff, right? Speaking as the number one medical official in the state of Florida, who uh, got it more right than the rest of the states. So what a blessing. But the cost of uh, the transgender confusion that we're seeing all around us, and if you were to tell me five years ago our culture would be going through this, I would say you're out of your mind. I mean, it just has come on like a freight train, whether it's the headlines with Leah Thomas uh, dominating female sports. He was William just back in 2019. I mean, this is only a couple of years And he's been a swimmer for his whole life, but now he went from the middle of the pack in men's competition collegiately into dominating and breaking all the records for the women. You see here that William uh, was ranked 554th in the 200 freestyle, 65th. Uh, nationally as a collegiate athlete uh, in the 500 freestyle, 32nd in the 1650 freestyle, in Penn's men's championship, which was just held 2018 and 19, and now uh, Leah Thompson with the transgender move now dominates and is breaking all the collegiate records. And so uh, let me just start at a point of, this seems a, a appropriate battlefield in the area of sports and competition, To talk about the ludicrous nature of this, in what world can a very uh, able man compete with ladies that have different skeletal structures, muscular structures, uh, the testosterone enhancement that comes with being masculine, and if your daughter was in collegiate sports, an extreme athlete, you had trained her her whole life, and now she would have been the one breaking all these records? and now she can't, because a man is actually in their locker room doing it. I mean, does that seem logical? Does that seem rational? It it doesn't. This week, this story came out this week from the headlines. In North Carolina, a uh, high school had to cancel all of its competition with Highland, another competitor, a rival, because a transgender... Uh, a man is now on the girls' volleyball team, and he spiked the ball so hard it gave this girl head and neck injuries from this vicious spike. Check this out and what they say. Uh, the uh, player reportedly suffered head and neck injuries from a spike from the Highlands, a transgender athlete. The county will not participate in any volleyball games with this team because of this. Next slide. Um, and he says, David Payne, who is the athletic director, and uh, Jeff Martin, who's the vice chair, they put out this statement there is a competitive advantage and safety concern for certain teams. It's not the same for all the teams, depending on if you have a transgender person competing against you, while also saying there were mixed feelings among players and parents. You think? I think there'd be uh, some mix if your child was in that. This player is still suffering from long-term concussion symptoms and has not been cleared yet because of this uh, really tragedy. Well, we look at our own Jackie Irwin, who's running for office, and she herself was a uh, all-American swimmer at UC San Diego. And this is her answer. She was asked recently by a voter what... Uh, She thought about this, and this is not an off-the-cuff answer for her uh, leftist leaning. She said, I thought this out already. We start puberty blockers at age 8 or 9. By the time boys transfer into girls and teens at age 12 or 13, they have new friends. By the time they turn 17, 18, or 19, nobody knows their past. So the answer is to start them on puberty blockers even younger. Can you imagine an 8-year-old? little girls start puberty between uh, 9 and 13 boys from 10 to 14 and so check this out though this is um Marcy Bowers is the leading transgender surgeon in America she has done 2000 surgeries more than anybody else she is the Uh, expert in surgical procedures her boast is she has delivered 2,000 babies and castrated 2,000 men she has done this mathematically literally Uh, and she transitioned from Mark Bowers at age 38 but check this out she finally went on the record to say this what are the consequences of these puberty blockers because you would think if somebody's uh, transitioning to a different uh, gender that they would have in mind expressing themselves sexually in that gender. Sexuality is a big part of your humanity, how you're designed as a sexual creature. But what, discover, look what she says. An observation that I had, said Bowers, this was at a Duke University panel uh, in um, March of this year. Every single child who was, or an adolescent, who was truly blocked at Tanner stage two. If you understand medical things, terminology, there's five stages, Tanner stages to puberty. This was discovered and named after the doctor that did a study in Great Britain from uh, 1940 to 1960. And his partner, which his partner didn't get the name for it, but he is. So, which is the beginning of physical development, which hormones begin their work of advancing a child to adulthood, has never experienced orgasm. I mean, it's really about zero. Meaning that you're going to do this whole transition with this goal to express yourself as a sexual creature. And actually, when you get there, these hormones basically neuter you and make you unable to experience any of the experiences sexually that your body normally would this is this is devastating to a human when they're going to arrive at that age not only that but if you check out the the, the tanner stages they're five and you can research it i read through all of them what's mind-blowing if you halt this pr- process the blockers. So many organs in your body and your endocrine system are involved in the process to bring you to adulthood that it not only changes your physical growth, your sexual reproductive uh, abilities and organs, but it also affects your cognitive, it affects your brain. So these are, they're not just isolated in what these medications do. I mean, it's pretty horrendous. And especially an eight or nine year old, are they gonna be able to process the effects of this? Man, it's it's unbelievable to me what is going on right now in our culture and that nobody's speaking up about it. And um, we're moving forward, and yet there's this movement for the last 30 years, and I've been a Christian for some 38 years, just this experience, but the agenda never stops. Like if there, it can't stop at this, live, let live moment, right? It's America. You're free to express yourself. Um, this movement, we want the freedom to express ourselves. Well, it's America, right? Whatever happens in your bedroom, nobody's coming after you. You can dress however you want. You want to wear makeup. You want to, It's America. You're free. And so you agree. You do you, man. And in an adult world, I'm fine with that. I get to be me. I get to decide what I want to do, right? That's freedom. But it doesn't stop there. Then we want you to agree with us and condone our actions. No, no now, now you're intruding on my opinion. No, I don't have to agree with you. No, we want you to celebrate with us, march with us, or have your rainbow flag out. I, said, I, I don't have to celebrate with you. No, we want you to participate with us. We want you to make our wedding cake or we're going to sue you, right? You've got to participate. Well, I, I'm a Christian, and, and I have a moral code that comes from biblical understanding. I don't want to be a part of that, so I'm sure you can get somebody else. No, you must. And so there's this pushing us into a corner to cram it down our throat. You must agree. We want you to participate. We want you to uh, somehow join us or to affirm us. That's the whole thing. We want you to affirm us. I'm a heterosexual. I'm not looking for anybody to affirm me. I'm about to the point, I'm like, where's my flag? Give me a stinking flag. I want a flag. I want to march. Heterosexuals unite, you're right. it's like. <clears throat> but now it's even a step further. It's like everything is just kind of pushing you back into this corner. Next, Now the step further is I want you to join our delusion. And I'm a man becoming a woman, but I want you to call, use the right pronoun for me. So, okay, now, now i got to join your world. Now, I want you to know. All people are worthy of kindness, dec- decency, and respect, right? All, I don't care who you are, how you dress. My brother, joined, my brother was old school trans, my oldest brother. He joined the homosexual movement, became a drug addict, curled his hair, wore makeup. I was born in the wrong body. But it was old school, right, before a lot of these procedures. So I went through this whole journey with my brother, He's my big brother, so we can be really honest with each other, but we were not gr- raised, I was not raised in church. I had no biblical values or morals. I'm like, whatever, man, is that, that's your thing? <laughs> you know, I'm into chicks, but that's your thing, okay, <laughs> right, and I love my brother. Was, what, you know, I have no moral framework because I'm not a believer at this point, and, but then I become a Christian at the age of 19. And then him and I start discussing things. He's like, well, now you're a Christian and and you have these moral values. I know, I'm like, hey, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about this whole sexuality thing. And it's really narrow. A man and a woman in marriage is the only place that sexual expression can happen from a biblical perspective. Now, now a God-rejecting world that wants to hear nothing about binary things, like that's very narrow. And so I had gay and lesbian friends, that when they would try to corner me, because they knew I was a Christian, so they'd try to nail me down on this, like, hey man, this is what the Bible says. And they're like, and they, they get really upset about the whole day, deal. And I'd say, wait, 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 wait. I said, when I became a Christian, I was head deep in heterosexual sin, and God said I had to repent. I said, how come you get off and you don't have to repent? That's no fair. I had to repent of my sin to come to Jesus, and you didn't, yeah, well, it's not the same. Well. It doesn't matter. It's sexual expression. You see, the journey. Isn't it funny that the group that say we're into diversity, inclusion, right, and equity. Oh, you're into diversity and inclusion, except my kind of diversity and my inclusion. So I'm excluded, and I don't get to be a part of the the program because of a Judeo-Christian ethic. So. To disagree with someone, and this world does not understand this with all the new definitions, to disagree with someone's behavior or lifestyle, however, is not bigoted, hate speech, homophobic, or transphobic. If I disagree with someone, it's I have, you see, your freedom stops where my freedom begins. I have an opinion, I have a voice, I have a choice, I can. Talk about my family and our moral culture or my community that I wanna protect in a Christian church culture or even in our own community. So I have a voice, but I don't, right? How How do you shut down dissent or the truth? You say, you are a white, straight, Christian man. Shut up and sit down and listen, you have no voice. Well, pardon me, I have a microphone, so unless I shut up and allow you to silence me, I'm gonna keep talking. So, Everybody has a voice, and I mean that even with my opponents, and whatever their perspective is, they have a voice. They have the right to, to believe those things. I have a right to disagree. That was the old school definition of tolerance. You and I disagree about something, I will still be respectful to you and kind to you, even though we disagree about something. That's tolerance. I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to condone your behavior or your actions. Now, Paul the Apostle gives us a great way to navigate in this world, you guys. Jesus had prayed for his people. He said, Lord, Father, I pray for them, not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. Meaning, Christians aren't to isolate, they are to be insulated. Meaning that I have the values of Christianity, and now I'm to be salt and light in a dark world that has no hope without the Lord from a biblical perspective. So Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 5.12, after downloading some of the strongest moral ethical teaching in this chapter for Christians and congregations, he said, what have I to do with judging those who are outside or out in the world? I'm not judging the world. I expect the world to be sinful. I was extremely sinful. I didn't grow up in the church. I was 19. The day that I finally came to the end of myself and realized how empty I was and how broken I was, I woke up on somebody's living room floor that I didn't know. I had to go out and find a street sign to find out where I was in my community. I got drunk that day and did a couple of drug dealers. But at that night, all alone at home, Jesus spoke to me in the quietness of my own room. I'm not hanging out with Christians. There's no preacher. It's a very supernatural moment where God says, why don't you pray? So I got on my knees and I cried out to God for, to forgive me and to fill me The emptiness that was inside of me and Jesus changed my life so my experiences is 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 separate from and other than some kind of churchy upbringing I got radically changed by the love of Jesus who died on a cross for my sins and rose from the dead and filled me with this his love where there was emptiness and I understand a hurting world I understand people groping to try to fix everything on the outside to fill something that's in the inside don't you understand that Like, all of us go through that experience. And then you discover when you come to Jesus, oh, light bulb, ding, happiness is an inside job, not an outside job. Get that? It's not about all this stuff I'm doing. It's actually inside with a personal relationship with the God that I was created to have a relationship with. But because of all these things, when it comes to children, an adult person, I'm like, you do you, man. Make your choices. You want to go get surgical procedures. You want to... You want to do whatever, you're free. It's America. But when you start indoctrinating an entire generation of our children in our community, that's a different story, right? Because kids can't defend themselves in the classroom. They can't, I mean, they're not going to be able to go against a 45-year-old that's cramming this sexual grooming into their hearts and minds when they're eight and nine years old that sets them up for failure with this whole dynamic. And so that's why we were getting school, but we're encouraging school, uh, people to run for school boards to get on these school boards to protect children in our community. Well, this week, maybe you saw the, the gal that got arrested. She's a substitute teacher here in town. She uh, uh, was stealing our conservative candidates for school board, she, their, their uh, signs. So she's going around and picking up uh, the different candidates and just putting them in the trunk of her car. And that's how she's uh, helping uh, voter suppression, to suppress visibility for our candidates. So at every turn, now the conservative people—we're not stealing anybody's signs, right? And and Jackie Irwin said <laughs> this week in an interview, she says we can't let those crazy Republicans win. We're crazy because we have faith in God, we believe in our families and parental rights to raise our kids. And we have these, and that's crazy, right? So she said, I'm running against the craziest of them all, Lori Mills. Yeah, yeah. Lori's right there, give the love. So we are presenting the uh, party of the crazy people. That, that love God, love their families, and just have common sense in these things. But the biblical worldview is very simple, what the Bible has to say. You see, my life was such a train wreck. I was such an empty mess, truly looking for love in all the wrong places, that when I came to the Bible and I saw God's plan and design, I'm like, whoa, his plan's way better than mine. And it fills me with love, joy, peace. I'm going to do his plan. Like if if he's the creator and he's the designer and this is the manual for life, God's word, I just like soaked it up. Like I need this help, right? At age 19, I have no direction, I have no, no morals. I just I need some help. So God began to download into me just the simplicity of how He de- created us. And, and by the way, this simplicity has existed for 6,000 years of human history, and it works great right? They're calling us when the leftists are calling me a dinosaur because I believe biblical truth. And yet, dinosaurs went extinct. And I can promise you, if the leftist agenda of transgender and abortion and all of these things continue, they're the ones that are going to go extinct because you actually need a male and a female to reproduce, right? So 100 years, Christians, the dinosaurs will still be existing saying, oh yeah, we're, 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 we're procreating and having fun while we do it. That's the way it works. So God's creation design, Genesis 1, 27. Now, it's in Genesis 1, lest you get lost in the middle of the book, like chapter 1. You don't even have to get past chapter 1. This is uh, Humanity 101. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. It's very simple. God said, this is my plan, male, female, and you guys are going to get together in the covenant of marriage as he unpacks the rest of his desire for us, and then you're going to have children in this healthy environment of a mom and a dad, and it is the healthiest, the, the, the family is the building block of all human societies. And yet the left wants to destroy all the building block of society. Jesus affirms this because there are those who say, well, yeah, but Jesus wouldn't say, don't, Jesus wouldn't say that. Okay, when asked about marriage, a different subject. He's asked about divorce, but it says in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus' response, have you not read, and that's my question anyway. Have have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) Do you actually know what it has to say? It says, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus confirms Genesis 1 and what the plan is. David celebrates God's incredible creation genius about his own life in Psalm 139. This is what I encourage you. I don't care if you're male, female. This encouragement is so important and dynamic. Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now there's an awkwardness to grow up, correct? How many of us would like to live junior high all over again? With all the torment, I don't, I don't want to revisit junior high. And your body going through, you know, all the stuff. Because there's those people that early mature, right? They're sixth grade, they're saving. And you're playing basketball with it, you. you're like, dude, like we went away this summer night, came back and you look like my Uncle Ed. What, what happened? And then us, Johnny, come lately to the table. It's like, when am I ever going to grow up? Or when's this going to happen? And girls that are late bloomers, all their friends, are getting all the body parts. And you're like, what about me? What's going on? And people, I mean, it's very hard. But you know what happens through that, you guys, is it's character development, right? Finally coming to grips with who you are and who God made you. And to get to the end of it and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God created me this way. And, um, he knew what he was doing in his creative design. Now, in masculine, feminine temperament, I have always understood humanity to be a, a broad uh, swath, right? You know, you have those that are extremely masculine. They woke up, you know, age one in camo, with, ready to go to war, right? They're, they're all jacked up and masculine. And on the far end of the spectrum, there's the temperament of the girly girl in a princess dress, and she just loves those things, but then there's this huge swath in between, and where do you find yourself? That's about temperament, it's not about gender. It's about the expression of temperament within this dynamic called humanity. And depending on who you are, uh, your point of reference, I know people that are extremely girly girl and guys that are extremely masculine and then everybody in between. Then I know those guys that exhibit some more feminine traits at that end of things in their temperament. And then I meet their wife who exhibits more masculine. I'm like, right on, that works. Right, The, the opposites attract. So there is that dynamic and to be comfortable with it, my mom was an extreme tomboy as a farmer's daughter, and that's who raised me. My sister was an extreme tomboy who could whip my, my brother and I until we finally grew up. Um she was super tough. And then I married a tomboy, my wife, who's really cute, but is more comfortable in a hoodie and a ball cap with a pickup and a horse trailer and her horse skips. She's gonna go rope some stuff. And, and then I raised a daughter who's very uh, comfortable in her own skin. If she makes herself up and to look pretty, she looks like a supermodel. she's like drop dead gorgeous. But usually she just wants to wear a hoodie and hang out with you know my son and all his friends, his guy friends and snowboard with him and stuff. And I mean, just to give you a for instance, she's 31, and she just finished hunter training to bow hunt deer in upstate New York, right? <laughs> so she. She can go from supermodel to a deer. And when she was in 15, she went on an event. She comes back from the event. The youth pastor comes to me and said, Pastor Rick, i got to talk to you about Jessica. I'm like, what? And he said, we were were playing at at the youth group. They decided to play full-blown tackle football. You know, obviously no pads or anything. And Jessica wanted to play. Now, Jesse is 5'9", 135, and super strong. And so she hit a kid so hard, it made him cry. And now his parents may be upset that, you know, I'm like, and I, I listened, you know, you want to be patient. I go home, I'm like, high five, just that's the way I touch you, babe. Just like, so that spectrum is so, um, I guess I got corrected last service. Gen Z spectrum means there's 72 genders and it's fluid. So drop that. Temperament is a wide range. And you just have to be comfortable with who you are, right? But you were born a gender, and you will be that till you die. Every single chromosome in your body cries out that gender and says what that is. So having said all that, uh, in this craze, for a long time, I wanted somebody to come visit with us that could share their story. And um, so months ago, we, we reached out. To Chloe, and if anybody watched Matt uh, Walsh's event at Nashville on Friday, it was uh, stop child mutilization through these surgeries that are going on and there was it was only an hour and fifteen minutes and they had all these people shouting at him the entire time it was very intense, but they spoke to about three thousand people and Chloe was act- able to be one of those people to stand up there in Nashville on Friday and then flew to spend the weekend for you fine folks. So she's working hard to make her voice known. So please welcome Chloe Cole.
1: just I was just at the rally with Matt Walsh in, in Asheville the end mutila- the end child mutilation rally and um, I got to speak up there against uh, against this practice of that's really harming and mutilating children um, it was a crowd of about well the, the police estimated about like 3,000 people probably the um, that was really uh, that was really exciting stuff but um I'm, I'm I've, I've I've had a, I'm on a like a like an eight day trip right now and um, about four about four or five days in, so it's I'm really glad I could I could I'm I'm able to make it here but um I am an eighteen year old day transitioner from the Central Valley here in California um, and I'm here to tell a story my my, my own story actually um, and what I've learned from living through and eventually making it out of my own personal home. A lot of you in here are parents, siblings, aunts and uncles, and grandparents to a generation that is uniquely vulnerable. And there is, I find, a major disconnect between Gen Z and older generations, and I feel that this is largely due to a lack of trust and understanding between these generations. I speak in hopes of bridging the gap and educating the older generations of what is going on with the younger generation, because this is a critical period in time when that understanding and compassion is needed because our youth are in grave danger. The advent of the internet and social media has changed the way pe- that children grow up. And with the internet came atrocities that we are still learning about today. I myself am a formally trans-identified kid. I fell victim to the idea that I, as a girl, could become a boy if I so wanted. And at the age of 12, I began to cut my hair shorter and buy boys' clothing. And I asked my friends to refer to me as a boy and my family as their son and brother. An important aspect of my story was that I I, I do have a very supportive family. And both of my parents were in the house. And I have many older siblings. I I wasn't abused at all. I am not just a corner case. But, yeah, my my childhood was pretty normal, as far as that goes. Um, When you think of a stereotypical world, you're probably thinking of how I was when I was little. I mean, I loved bright colors like pink and purple. I loved wearing skirts and dresses and playing with dolls and drawing. I still love drawing. Um, I admit that um, growing up with so many brothers did rub off on me a little bit. I I, I still love playing video games, and when I was a kid, I loved Playing in the dirt and with like my older brother's Legos and Nerf guns and toy trucks. Um, as I matured, I started to associate with and relate more to boys, and I found it more and more difficult as the, as the years went on to connect with or even understand other girls my age. This used to call this used to be called being a tomboy, and there is nothing wrong with this. I wish that I knew this when I started puberty at nine years old. From a very young age, I dealt with both my peers and the adults around me making uncomfortable and sometimes hurtful comments on my developing body. And I, I moved neighborhoods before starting middle school and I, I, I turned to the internet because I had so few friends in person. Um, little did I know that as soon as I made my first Instagram account at 11, the algorithm would present to me trans-identifying kids, unachievable body standards for women, and even softcore porn. Unfortunately, the things that I saw on the internet and social media did not just extend to imagery. The algorithms on social media like Instagram and Tumblr very easily pigeonhole people into echo chambers, and kids are just not socially aware enough to realize what is going on. I was captured by woke ideologies without even even realizing that there was such a thing. One of the most damaging aspects of these pervasive ideologies is modern-day feminism, which feminism used to be about empowering women and understanding that we are powerful in ways that men could not even begin to imagine. It used to be about the idea that we are not just stereotypes. It It used to mean that women, can make our own future and deserve not just a place in the world, but to be leaders in it. And the so-called intersectional feminism of today has completely thrown these ideas out the window. This new destructive approach to feminism has washed over the footsteps of heroes like Sojourner Truth and is actively degrading the rights and safety of women. Intersectional feminism not only does that, but it also infringes upon the rights of others and has devolved into a men's rights movement. I have a feeling that not a single woman in this room wants to see a man using, a man in a wig using our restrooms and locker facilities. These are all all ideas that I was unknowingly indoctrinating myself into at 11 years old. I think any girl that age would despise growing into a woman if that was her idea of womanhood. I decided that I wanted nothing to do with womanhood anymore and that I I wanted out. And from the internet, I learned that there was a way out. I left a letter to my parents on the living room table explaining to them that I am no longer their daughter. Instead, I am their son. They had no idea what to do with me. They loved me, and they wanted to support me. So they did what most parents do when a child is suffering from a mental health problem they brought me to, they, they sought professional help from me. And that was, that ended up being the biggest mistake that my parents and many parents around the world really have made. The doctors that we went to, they weren't really doctors. They were liars. I was not suicidal, but my doctors did not hesitate to coerce them into medicalizing me with cross sex hormones and they cited faulty suicide statistics that don't, that are just not scientific. They gave them a very simple question Would you rather have a live son or a dead daughter? I was referred to an endocrinologist who actually hesitated to put me on puberty lockers because he said there would be concerns for my cognitive development. My so-called gender specialist expressed frustration with this and referred me to another who immediately affirmed and prescribed blockers as well as cross-sex hormones to me at only 13 years old. Imagine telling a 13-year-old girl, are you aware that you may experience atrophy of some reproductive organs? If you believe that a girl who thinks that she's trapped in the wrong body can can provide informed consent to something like this, you need to lose your license to practice medicine. I didn't understand that this decision would permanently impact my overall health. I still don't know whether I'll be able to conceive a child or not. I wore a compression device called a chest binder for two years, and it compressed my breasts into my ribs. So hard that my rib cage is permanently deformed. I wanted to stop wearing this at school, and while swimming or exercising or while walking home in 100-degree weather, I wanted to look like a boy permanently. And my surgeon, no, my, my butcher, really, removed my healthy breasts at the age of 15. I was 15 years old and not a single medical professional questioned this. They say that this is the way to progress. And without realizing it, I started to grieve over my breasts and my feminine form that was lost. But I didn't realize what this emotion was. Because everybody around me knew me as Leo now. I had been transitioning for three years at this point. I no longer looked like a girl. I, I had no breasts. I was developing muscles and squarish features from the, from the, from the cross-sex hormones. And I just assumed that the emotional turmoil was just part of the post-op period. But I progressively became worse over time. My great performance and attendance at school. What an all-time low during my last two years of high school, and I ended up dropping out several times until I ended up getting a diploma equivalent. It wasn't until the second semester of my junior year, about 11 months after my surgery, that I really started to realize what I had done to myself. I was in a class about child psychology, and I had a lesson about the... Um, the role that physical contact and breastfeeding play in the bond between mother and child, and how that bond affects their later cognitive and social development. Before this point in time, I, I hardly ever thought about having kids might look for me because, I mean, I was a kid. But during, during my lessons, I realized that not only was my ability to naturally feed my children taken away from me forever, I may not even be able to naturally birth my children. And this was just horrific to me. And the illusion fell apart. I was and always will be female. So the next question would be, what are we able to do about this? I believe that this is a spiritual battle that needs to be fought with love and understanding. I have many detransitioned friends who feel that they have been failed by religious institutions. There are some people who have come at this issue with hatred, but there is no room for that if you want to help these kids. Love will always triumph. So you have to love people that are struggling with this without affirming the delusion. I've met many parents who have children who are struggling with the social contagion. and so many, this situation just feels hopeless. There's parents who have lost custody of their children because they refuse to affirm their child's transgender identity. But the biggest reason that we've gotten to this point is because many of us were unaware of this in the first place. We all need to be aware. We need to keep tabs on politics, and especially local and state-level politics and legislature. Parents and caretakers need to keep a close eye on their children, make sure that they're involved in their community, and that they're active in a sport or a hobby. And the next step would be to educate our community and in helping these kids without ostracizing them. I've met many transgender people and de-transitioners who have been failed by Christian family members and churches, and many of them actually shot me down when I told them that I was speaking out a church. I think that Christians need to do better in this regard. I think we all know this. I will continue to spread my message to all who will hear me out. I've started an organization called DeTrans United, run by people who are in a, a situation quite like mine. They're all de-transitioners who want to do activism against the institutions and ideology that peddle this barbaric practice, and we are going up against transgender activists who have millions of followers online and huge sponsors like Amazon, but the tide is visibly starting to shift. I'm really proud of what we have accomplished so far. Um, Vanderbilt University in Tennessee actually has recently stopped all of their, their transition surgeries in minors. I think it's safe to say that we are winning. And I'll be in this fight until no more children are being transitioned and subjected. To medical experimentation. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and coming, and uh, the first two questions I know are, that are going to come, and we talked about this in our previous services, but that encouragement, what would you share with parents that is uh, really two things you've shared that are key in this challenge, this difficulty that people are facing?
1: Um, I mean, in order to protect, to protect your children, You really have to start young. Um, Keep your kids off of the internet and social media and technology in general until they're old enough to use it. And once they're old enough to make that jump, um, monitor their usage, monitor what they're looking at and how long they're consuming certain forms of content. And um, outside of that, keep keep them busy, keep them active. Keep them in a sport while they'll learn, they'll develop their social skills and stay active and learn how to work in a team as well as build up their, their confidence and let them know that they have community. Keep them involved in community and let them know that they are loved and they, this is, this is this is really important for especially for teenagers, to hear. Um, let them know that they're so much more than their form, their body.
0: So to watch out for social media, get them involved in good community uh, events. So I guess there's three things, and then the third one is to communicate love with. Out affirming yes yeah and so you would want them to get to hey let's try to get to adulthood where you can make a more reasonable decision yes. without doing anything that will inhibit
1: it's an adult decision
0: yeah and, and I think that that's the thing that parents need to hear they need to be parents not friends And a lot of times parents get oh, those yes. two things confused yeah And we would always have those conversations with, with my kids as they're growing up as, hey, uh, I, I'm your parent. You may not like some of the decisions that I'm making, but it's not about friendship. When your kids are grown and mature, then you have a friendship. And hopefully you have, those two can cross over in growing up because love is communicated. But you know, it's, it's not even on the similar scale, but both my kids, when they were 15, they wanted tattoos. Like all their friends started getting tattoos in high school. And, and I'm like, you can get a tattoo. When you're an old, mature adult, you've moved out on your own, you, you know, have your own decisions. When you can really mentally process something you want on your body for the rest of your life, then you can make that decision. And, uh, but you know, all my friends are doing it, or this is the trend. So I think that uh, parents need to really step up. So thank you for those encouragements. I think it, we also just hearing, um, because this journey starts at 11 for you, and it goes all the way To 16 is kind of your aha moment after your breasts are removed and and you shared about that um, uh, the psychology class with the monkey uh, experiment and it really somehow awakened that your breasts were more than just delivering milk Mm -hmm. but they had different dimensions and that really awakened something inside of you that you begin to grieve that sense of loss didn't you
1: yeah. So the specific lesson I was talking about actually was about the Harlow experiments with rhesus monkey infants that studied the um, the importance of maternal bond and how that the role that plays in cognitive and social development. Um, it studied. Um, it didn't use actual mothers of rhesus monkey infants. It um, they constructed surrogate mothers made of either cloth or wire that had like a like an apparatus in the chest area that the um, the the uh, the monkey infants could basically simulate breastfeeding from. Um, some of the the observations made were, were that um, the, the the monkeys who were not able to who were not allowed to who were physically separated from their mothers and were not allowed to latch on. Um struggled significantly more with socialization and problem solving. And um, Just the overall themes of like maternity, breastfeeding, it, it just, it woke me up because I never really thought about it in this light before. I mean, I mean I was being exposed to like all this awful content on the internet and I actually had been sexually assaulted in middle school. I, I had been I had been groped in a classroom, which was a place that I I thought I would be safe and sound. And I started to see my breasts as not just a part of my body, but a just something that brought me unnecessary attention and I wanted nothing to do with them. I wanted them off of my body. And I mean, before this, I didn't even realize that I felt this way because, you know, during, when I was assaulted, I kind of just downplayed it. I told myself to, you know, because I wanted to be a boy, I told myself to just man up. And even at school, like I, I, knew, like, I knew that I wasn't going to no, I knew that I wasn't going to be helped because I, I didn't really have any friends and even the school staff, um, they didn't treat me very well. So I knew that if I, if I ever brought it up to the office, they would just give a kid a slap on the wrist, the the wrist and something worse could happen to me. But, um, It was, it was only after the fact that I realized why I felt that way about my chest, and it was just, it was far too late.
0: You shared uh, in our early sh- earlier service that as you wanted to transition and to become a boy, that you begin to experience social expectations for men, mm. like if you're going down that road, and that seemed overwhelming to you. How'd, th- how'd that happen or unfold?
1: Yeah, I think, in order to really be able to take upon the responsibility of one sex, you need to obviously be a part of that sex, but also experience the socialization of that comes either with being a girl or a boy from a young age. And uh, so I, I, I just wasn't really equipped to handle the social responsibility of being a male, and I I figured that out the hard way. Um, I really. Transition was really just glamorized for me both by people online and even the medical professionals like it was all It was all rainbows and unicorns basically and I didn't know that I Would pretty much have to change how I acted entirely in order to Really take on the responsibility and that was not something that obviously I was not equipped for um and there was kind of a honeymoon phase where during the initial years where it was like, I'm I'm like making all these friends and I'm starting to feel confident in myself, but that very quickly went away. I was, um, well, not very quickly, it was over the course of a few years actually, but I really started to become disillusioned to the reality of being treated as a male. It's a lot different.
0: So the grief from the loss of your breast, you didn't even understand it as grief type, kind of identify the strong emotion, depression, loss, whatever might be there. And that just grew to where you finally just woke up one day and said, this is bogus, like this whole journey. And so how old were you when you had that aha moment?
1: I was 16. I was 16 when I realized that I regretted not only them affect me, but every single step that I took in my transition, it really started to, after I took that class and took those lessons, it really started to hit me that, I mean, not only that this was going to affect me as an adult because of decisions I made out as a child, but um, that I wasn't equipped either to be able to make these kinds of decisions and that there were so many reasons that I wanted to transition and really just shy away from being female that were just not explored when they were supposed to be by the, the medical professionals and the adults around me.
0: And the real danger now, as we know that, um, especially in the state of California, if you don't affirm uh, the state down the road will take your children probably out of the home and you were just sharing a a law just passed to be a sanctuary state for other states share with us about that
1: yeah so gavin newsom actually just um just passed sb 107 which um makes california a sanctuary state for children and parents of children in other states who want to transition
0: so can you imagine your child just running away from home and getting to the state of california because it's a sanctuary place through this the lack of affirmation. Or if a parent's trying to do, have that conversation, let's wait till you're an adult. I love you, I care for you. And but the they're... state
1: can just take custody of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So scary, this uh, season we're living in. So you're, because si- you just barely turned 18, right? A yeah. couple of months ago. So uh, you're 16. You send the the trains a long ways down the track, right? Three or oh, four yeah. years. Oh, yeah. The family's all calling you. Uh, the brother and the son. And the kind of people around me, like I. All your friends.
1: I, yeah. I. I really looked like a male. A short one, but <laughs> I mean, I, w- I, w- I was 16 years old, so that was kind of just like, it just looked like I was late into growing or something. But, um,
0: but you were becoming more muscular because of yeah. the testosterone. Yeah. So, how do you, w- when you finally got to this place, Chloe, and you're Leo then, at yeah. that, you're Leo. So, you have to turn a corner. This is all bogus. I want to be Chloe again. What kind of emotional process and who's the first person you told to
1: um, When I realized this, it was just like... The first emotion and the emotion that really has been running for the longest was... I was just hit with the... I was just overcome with a wave of pain. Because I, I it was in that moment that I realized everything that I lost and... I mean, there there's things that I'll never be able to get back. There's many things that will never be the same. And um, the first person that I really expressed this to was my mother, and I had to do it over text because I just I couldn't bring myself to face her with 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 tears just streaming down my face like that. I didn't want. I wanted to be strong for my family, and I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want them to see me so distraught. I. I, I had a lot of guilt, actually. Um, I mean, my family was so invested in this. I. It was. It was three years. I was transitioning for medically for about three years, and, I mean, everybody had already been, like I said, referring to me as this new name, and I genuinely looked like a boy, and I just couldn't fathom that. It could be it, that it was wrong, that it, that it was all wrong in that. Just learning one thing could make everything crumble.
0: So you, the you share with your mom, and she's going to share with the rest of the family. Next Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's going to be Chloe's going to join us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, welcome back, Chloe. Praise the Lord. We all rejoice. like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're a beautiful Chloe, by the way, right? As a young lady says, Amen. So you come out with the family, you get, have those conversations that seem a bit like reconciling an issue, right? Kind of getting, and, and I now want to move forward as a woman through life but what kind of reception is it out there in the world, your classmates and your internet relationships? Um,
1: A lot of my friendships, both online and in person, pretty much crumbled as a result of this, actually. I lost every friend that I had in person, I lost a lot of people that I had over the internet, and I just really didn't have anything left. I had to go through the motions on my own for the longest, and I had I had no friends my senior year, and I just didn't really have much in the way of a support structure. Even even for my doctors, they they weren't really helping me at all, and I had to figure out this out on my own. On pretty much every fa- facet of the issue, um, I had to figure out how to things would go from here on medically socially in, in, in just every, every single every single way that I could think of um, but eventually I did go on to I guess you'd say reconcile with some of my family members and regrow our relationships and I've made new friends along the way who really, generally support me for what I'm doing and who I am and yeah
0: <laughs> and what about the internet? Huh? The internet, social media. You know, uh because you were talking about you lost your physical friends, but when you spoke out talk about the because uh, my understanding is the trans movement activists are not very friendly if so-
1: oh oh no they 're not yeah. even even uh, <laughs> even as soon as I expressed that, I really started to regret this, and even before I said that I was going to go back um, on my decision, people started to get really hostile towards me. they basically like mocked me for regretting this, and they put all the blame on me, and they they said things like oh you don't deserve loving parents who allowed you to do this or oh you're you're harming other real transgender people by talking about your regrets, so you need to just shut your mouth and for a while i i did i gave into their demands because i i couldn't take it and i i didn't i mean they were telling me that i was harming other people but i didn't i didn't want to do that and so i just stayed silent for a little bit and so I realized this is a real thing that's going on, and I'm not the only one, and somebody has to talk about this. I can't stay silent about this.
0: Well, we admire your bravery because it is very tough to have a lot of hostility come your way, so you're very courageous in doing that. Now, when you are now detransitioning and the doctors weren't very helpful, is there a regimen uh, hormonally to bring you back into alignment with your feminine gender, or do they Um, just stop everything and you got to reboot on your own? How does that work?
1: I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, like I said, I wasn't really getting any help from the doctors, and I kind of just had to figure this out on my own. But, um, I think my body is naturally healing on its own. I mean, there's, there's... (laughs) I mean, relatively, I'm pretty lucky because I only had the double mastectomy. I didn't have any anything like my uterus or ovaries removed. but And people who get like their, their reproductive organs removed, they're basically dependent on medication for life.
0: We have enjoyed having you, and we would like to pray for you as a congregation. Will you join me? Let's stand together, let's pray for Chloe. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for Chloe's life and pray that you, by your grace and your kindness and your love, Jesus, by your spirit, that you would comfort her, that you would be her strength, that you would be her shield that you would be a refuge. Lord, give her a courageous voice, a clear message, and open doors for her to be able to speak and share her story to her generation to rescue so many people that their bodies are being damaged for a lifetime through this whole agenda. Lord, have mercy on our nation and the young people of it. Thank you for Young people like Chloe, who for such a time as this is standing up, and Lord, truly you can take those things that the enemy meant for evil, and you can turn around and use them for a message of good. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. I've seen light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking But my heart won't be shaken If today be the day that I die Whoa-oh, 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 whoa, whoa And I won't worry about tomorrow Or fear in times of trouble I keep my heart seeking I will keep my heart seeking you Whoa, whoa, whoa